Heavenly Father, we again come to you thanking you for your incredible blessings that you are giving to us day by day. So many that we don't even have time to even share them all. And we're so grateful that you are mindful of us as what seemed insignificant in the plan of, of the universe. Yet you're mindful of us and you want to give us the best. We pray, dear Lord, that you will help us, that you will give us strength, and that you will help me to present this in a way that will be clear as crystal, I pray. In Jesus' precious name, amen. So, this is what we're working on. This is the uh, one from yesterday. So, if you don't have it, please pull it. Please get it. Do you have it? And um, so that's what we're going to be working on today, and I hope that you'll have a pen as well. Do you have a pen? You have yours? Yes, but I left it at home. Can I get another one? Okay, we're almost out, but we're in a pen. You'll need a pen. All right? So we got pretty much down to the bottom of, of page one. And uh, no, we got almost to the bottom of page two, didn't we? So... Something that I want to, to make sure that you understand, that our, our planet, this planet, is pretty much divided into 2,000-year increments. Is that correct? So after creation, in about 2,000 years, we had the flood. In about 2,000 years later, we're going to have the first coming of Jesus, and approximately 2,000 years after that, we're going to have the second coming of Christ. And you know, I don't mind if the Lord waits a little bit to get more people into the kingdom. I wish he would come now, but I'm thankful that he's going to come. We're at the bottom of page two. I'm thankful that he's, uh, uh, that he's uh, wanting to get everyone into the kingdom. So I'm glad that he's waiting a little bit of time. For that, I'm glad. And uh, for that, I will still praise him and just keep saying, Lord, come quickly. Right? So at the bottom of um, second page, uh, I just want to bring to your attention that Noah was the prophet that led into the flood. Is that correct? And Noah preached for how many years? 120 years. So the Lord tried to make sure that the people were understanding that something was going to happen. Not only did he preach, but he built that incredibly big monstrosity of an ark, which nobody had ever seen before, right? They had all kinds of things then that probably we still haven't even come up with at this point. But at that time, this was, that ark was something that was something that nobody had really seen before. And who's going to, I mean, where is it going to float? Really? There's nothing big enough for this. And so there, it, it, was, it was a laughingstock. But did his message get to the whole known world, world at that time? Absolutely. It got everywhere. And 
God was doing that because he wanted to give a, an illustration of the fact that there is a way out. He always wants us to know that there is a way out. And so he says to Noah, build me an ark, because that is going to be the way out. I'm thankful that he thinks about us that way. So that's what they were doing before the flood. After the flood, we find Abraham coming on the scene. Abraham, who sought a city whose builder was God, God gives him a son, a promise, and that was Isaac, and the texts are there. And um, so he's, he's uh, Abraham is looking for a city whose builder and maker is God, and he is anxious to look forward, not just present, but look forward to that great day. He's looking forward to the first coming of Jesus, and he's looking forward to the end result, the city that is built by God himself. And then we have Jacob, whose name was changed. I'm on the page three. It is. It is. We're, we're, we're going through three studies that are um, helping us to understand the plan of salvation, the, the everlasting gospel. And these, these, these uh, studies, my intent is that if we could get people to take at least three studies and understand what the Bible is saying in its entirety, that they will want the details, that they'll want to go on and keep studying. So I think these three studies are very important to me, and I, I think that as I've used them on other people, I think they're very important to them, and I just want to pray that they will be very important to you as you're working with people. So um, that's why we're doing this, okay? And um, so Abraham, uh, so we've gone through the first two pages, and we're down to Abraham now. Uh, Abraham... Oh, no, I'm down to Jacob. Jacob. Uh, and Jacob was the father of who? Twelve sons. Jacob, the father of twelve sons, the twelve tribes of Israel. And uh, he, he had a, a name, Jacob, before he met the angel. And when he struggled with the angel, then, then the angel called him what? Israel. There's something in these names, aren't there? And so Jacob now is a real person in Christ. He's overcome those defects of his character from before. And so he's, he's, he's wanting to uh, be a, a father of men that he hopes and prays will continue the, the lineage of God. Right? So here we go from Jacob to who? Job. Why is Job in there? He was a godly man. He was a man after God's own heart. He wanted to do everything right. And uh, in fact, when Satan goes to God and says, you know, he's only doing this because you're blessing him, then the Lord said, okay, try him. And I think, how would I stand up if Satan said to God, 
you know, she's only doing this because you're blessing her, which I can say he's blessed me incredibly. But Job stood the test. He stood the test. And I think that all of us need to read that through. Uh, there's many things we'd like to and need to read through, but that's why we need to spend so much time with our Bible, right? And so, um, this is one from Tuesday. And uh, you can uh, not look at it now, but <laughs> but I want you to want you to know that that's some of the things we've been talking about is the Word of God, okay? And so it's important for us to realize there's many in, things in the Bible that are important for our our understanding and and our encouragement when we're coming into the last days, and I think Job is one of those. Job was able to stand when even his wife said, Give it up. All his friends, everybody said, Just give it up. And you know what? He stood firm anyway. And I love what God came to him and said, Can you do all these things? Look, that's who you're dealing with. I'm God. I can take care of you. Job. Then we go to Moses. We're, we're dealing with the, the lineage of people that, that carried on the torch of godliness throughout their lives, okay? And we've got, we go to Moses. Moses was a Jewish, Jewish uh, son, and he, he uh, should have uh, known better, but he made some pretty difficult mistakes, didn't he? And he, had, he ended up fleeing. So he flees out to the wilderness, and there he learns what God is all about. Forty years to undo forty years of training. You hear that? Forty years to do un forty years of training. He had forty years in the courts of well, twelve years approximately, uh, in in his mother's with his mother, and then he goes to the court. And he has the training of the Egyptians, and he, he's, he's trained in all these things, but it took 40 years. I am thankful that the Holy Spirit is working on us and is going to get us ready much faster than that. We need to be asking for that, the Spirit which we talked about the first day. Right? So it's important. So Moses, uh, then, then uh, he is used by God, to lead Egypt, uh, Israel out of Egypt. What a glorious day that was, but I can tell you a pain in the head for him, right? We were, we were uh, pretty, pretty stubborn people. And I say we, because aren't we still stubborn? Yes, we're still stubborn. And uh, God's saying, you know, this has to be cleansed out of us. It has to be cleansed out of us. So Moses is, is uh, an amazing man, and he wrote the first five books of the Bible. And uh, in fact, right now, the only, the only portion of the scriptures that, uh, that the Jews will accept is Moses. They don't like Daniel. Why do they not like Daniel? Prophesized about the Messiah. And they knew, they knew when Jesus was supposed to be born. So it 
it really is a, a shame to to them to not have accepted Christ, right? They're still looking for the Messiah. Can you imagine? That puts him wide open for for a, a delusion. So um, then we go to uh, King David. David is a wonderful person, a mighty man in God, did some really crazy things that God had to correct. The corrections were tough, but he still calls him a man after my own heart. That to me is amazing. That is messed up as we can be sometimes. When the correction comes, what is my attitude towards it? Do I say, oh, well, that was just a little thing. Uh, do I say, uh, everybody's doing it. Uh, oh, 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 I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. When David was corrected, his heart was broken. His heart was broken. And he wrote the psalm. Which ones? When psalms? Which psalms? 51st? Yes, 51st Psalm, because it, it, it was, he, he's crying for God to cleanse him, cleanse him from this disaster that he started. He knew what it meant for the Holy Spirit to dwell in him, and he was crying out, saying, please don't take that away from me. Don't take it away from me. So it, it's, it, that's why David is such a beautiful character, and why it, it means so much to me, because it, it tells me, that as long as I respond to the corrections of God appropriately, that God will call me a man, a woman, after his own heart. And I'm so thankful for that. <coughs> then we have various prophets, and all throughout uh, the prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, and I want you to put a circle around Daniel. Daniel was very, very <coughs> important. He was 600, approximately 600 years before Christ, and uh, he's the one that prophesied the most about the, the, the uh, coming of Christ and so on. And then for 400 years, for 400 years, there was not a prophet in Israel. Why? Didn't God... I'm sorry? They had quite a bit to go on, didn't they? And that's, that's the same thing we're having right now, Right? It's been a, it's been 100 and, 100, 115 years since the prophet died. A little more than that, about about that, and uh, no, a little less than that actually. <laughs> and uh, and we have so much information that we should be going over and understanding because she gave us everything we needed to get to the other side. Okay. She gave us what we needed. The word of God, by, by the, the most important, the word of God, and her writings amplify the word of God over and over and over again, bringing us back to the Bible, bringing us back to the Bible, bringing us back to the Bible. And it's extremely important that we continue to, to, to study the word and study her writings because we have that information already given to us. And we need, to, we need to make the most of it. And so, 400 years, there wasn't a prophet. Then we find 
when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son. Galatians 4.4, 4, what does that say? Somebody read that for us. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law. Okay, so God, when the fullness of time has come, God sent forth his son. It was, it was, it was the fulfillment of prophecy, was it not? It was the fulfillment of prophecy, and those prophecies were found where? In Daniel 9, 25 through 27, right? 25 through 27 is in your, in your study, so you've got it there, so that you won't miss that one. John the Baptist also was crying out that the Messiah was coming. And that is Matthew 3, 1 through 3, all right? So it was, it was his time. He was to come. And it was a fulfillment of prophecy, and this is how many years approximately after the flood? Approximately 2,000 years after the flood. He was born 4 over 5 B.C. Uh, thankfully, we don't know exactly when he was born because we would misuse it, <laughs> unfortunately. Gave us a complete example of how we can live in harmony with God. John thirteen fifteen. Is there someone that could read that? Thirteen fifteen. So what is he doing? He's giving us what? An example. He's giving us an example of what and how we should live. Isn't that marvelous? And there's other texts there as well, but I wanted to just draw your attention to that one. And uh, so he gave us this, this great example. But then I want to bring you back to something we talked about yesterday, and that's John 3.16. God gave his son. He gave his son. Can you imagine the heavenly host looking down and seeing Christ being born as a babe? Talk about vulnerable. Yes? Extremely vulnerable. What if his mom doesn't teach him right? Ah. What if his older brothers and sisters uh, misguide him, which they did? Mother stayed true, but the brothers and sisters had, had quite a bit to say about his attitude of sanctity. So sad, isn't it? God gave his son. And when we look at Isaiah 53, what does Isaiah 53 have to say? That whole chapter is given to what? How he lived for us, how he died for us, he took our sins that he had no part in and gave us his life that we have no part in, right? So Isaiah 53 is a, is a wonderful promise that, that brings up to life what it was that God gave his son for. And then Jesus is in his ministry. He comes to the place where he realizes it's time for him to go where? To the cross. And I like what it says in Luke 9.51. Luke 
Steadfastly, did he whimper and and vacillate? No, he set his face steadfastly to go to Jerusalem. In spite of the fact that Peter had something else to say, Peter had, oh, don't want to go to Jerusalem. They'll kill you. You don't want to go to there. And what does Jesus say to him? Ah, uh, get behind me. <laughs> oh, that hurt. I know that hurt. And I'm not even a man. <laughs> if God said that to me, I would still shudder and I would hurt. Yes? I say, I'm not even a man because men tend to be more macho, right? They want to be more right sometimes. And Peter was going to defend him, not get taken down for making that suggestion, right? But was that suggestion necessary? Christ had to recognize, and Peter had to recognize, that they could not stand in the way of God's mission. And so they go to the cross. When they go to the cross, the cross does what? Satisfies the law of God, reconciles us to the Father, brought harmony between God and man. 2 Corinthians 5:17 through 21, Colossians 1:14 through 15, last part, 18 through 20, in whom we have redemption through his what? Blood, even the forgiveness of our what? Sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, and he is the head of the what? The body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have what? Preeminence, for it pleased the Father. Was the Father pleased that he was going through all this? No. It pleased the Father what? That in him should all fullness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile, to what's the word? Reconcile all things unto himself. By him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. Isn't that glorious? What an incredible passage of scripture. scriptures telling us that Christ did it, everything he needed to do for our salvation on the cross. And I say for our salvation because there are many people that will say that Christ did it all on the cross. That's not true. He did everything for our salvation on the cross. And there's a difference. If we don't follow him past the cross, we won't get there. You following what I'm saying? We, can, we must come to the cross then we must follow him after the cross. We must follow him until he saves us in his kingdom. We need to take our sins where? To him in the sanctuary, right? So we need to, we need to give our, our sins and our, our, our shortcomings and all of the things that, that tie us down to him. We need to take him to the cross you know, oftentimes I think about uh, taking it to the cross and leaving it there. But you know what? Y you know, sometimes you'll give somebody a gift and they really don't want it, so they'll, want it, you know, take it back. Take it. Yeah. You know what? 
Oftentimes, we take our sins to the cross, and we take them back. It's quite a sobering thought. We need to take our sins to the cross, and we need to leave it with God and go on, go on, and go on. Keep going on until the day that he comes to take us home. Amen, amen, amen. And so here we are now. So he, so here we are now. We find that he has gone to the cross. He's done all this for us. And then we find that we are getting close to what? The fulfillment, the completion of the promise. And what was the promise that Jesus gave to his disciples when he was on earth? Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. That is the promise he gave to his disciples. He said, it's going to happen. Are you hearing me? It's going to happen. And I'm telling you, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. So, the second coming now, we're coming down to the second coming of Christ. And here again, prophecy is being what? Fulfilled. Is it true? Prophecy of what? What sets the date towards the end of time? Starts the time of the end. Where does that start? What Daniel, Daniel what? 8.14. The 2300-day prophecy, right? And that takes us right up to when? 18.44. So, the sanctuary will be cleansed, and that's Daniel 18.44, okay? And so, here we are up to 18.44 now. And what does God do again? Does he bring us a prophet? Hmm? He brings us a modern prophet to help us know and to keep our visions set fast. You know, because we, we tend to really get sidetracked. We get sidetracked so easily. I'm thankful that there was a, a little lady that shouldn't have been alive, that God kept alive, that God blessed her life and gave her to us. To, to help us understand that we need to keep our vision straight towards the soon coming of Jesus Christ. And so we're now being heralded again by a prophet before the coming of Christ the second time. God does nothing that he does without sending us a prophet. And so it's important for us to... to, uh, to see and, and, and understand that we are coming up to that time. So um, when, when God gave the, the promise, uh, let not your heart be troubled, this is a promise, what, of a gentleman. Why is it a promise of a gentleman? Second Peter 3.9, what does it say? Second Peter 3.9. Gentlemen, honor their promises. says there, yes, the Lord is not, what, slack 
concerning his promises. As some men count slackness, but is what? Long-suffering to usward that what? That, okay, can I hear it loudly? Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's why I said, I'm, I'm, I'm a little sorry that, that uh, he hasn't come already. But I'm also thankful because he is a gentleman. He's waiting. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. We know that there will be many that will not. But we don't know just where everybody is at in the world. There may be someone who still needs to be garnered in. And I'm praying for that wonderful, wonderful day when he can say, it's been done. So, we are to prepare a work to meet God the second time, like John the Baptist. Matthew 28, 19 through 20. And what does that say? That's it. Tells us to go. Make disciples, yes. So we are to be John the Baptist now. Right? We're be, to be John the Baptist now and, and, and getting people ready for this. Getting people ready for this. Then the Lord will come. And who wants to read 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18? But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. <clears throat> For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring him with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means deceive yourselves who are asleep. <clears throat> For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Comfort one another with these words. Isn't that a beautiful promise? I love that promise. Uh, obviously, we hear it too often in terms of the graveside, but I tell you what, still it's a beautiful promise. And so um, so we have that promise, and then we have what, 1 Corinthians 15, 51 through 55. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised, incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? I love that. I love that. So these are the promises of the coming of Christ. And, you know, um, so what's keeping him? Too many people sinning? Lukewarm? Not proclaiming the promises of victory? So there's, some, there's people out there that are not ready. I'm thankful that there seems to be a, a ground swell 
of people wanting to get ready for the coming of God. I think that that's great. I think it's marvelous. But more than that, there's so much work still to be done. Isn't there? So why will you perish? Turn ye, turn ye. Ezekiel 33, verse 11. Somebody want to read that? Okay. Say to them, as I live, say to the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that wicked turn from his way and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways, for why should you die, O house of Israel? That's written to us. We're the house of Israel. Is it us that's keeping God from coming? I wonder. When it says, whole house of Israel, it's talking to us. So I'm saying and asking you today, might he be waiting for me? Might he be waiting for you? That's the thought I want to leave you with with this study. All right, the next study. God's plan for you. Thank you so much. This study, we are going to do the background information on the plan of uh, on the great controversy. Uh, the first study was just tiptoeing around that. It let us know that there was a tree of knowledge of good and evil. It let us know that that's where um, Eve met the serpent. Yes. It let us know that the serpent was was uh, uh, evil. evil, and that the serpent was was uh, put to the ground, so to speak. His wings were taken away. The glory of, of the serpent was was removed. The serpent was now on the ground, so to speak. And it let us know that, but it didn't tell us much more, did it? And the reason I didn't do that in the first study is because I didn't want to overwhelm them yet. That's why this is done in overlays, one study on top of the other, okay? So it's important for you to, uh, because I, I actually gave a little bit more information than I should have the first time around. So it's, it's important for you to know and stick with the script because you're, you're laying groundwork for the next study. Otherwise, if you, ha if you try to do this all in one study, uh, I gave my students uh, the whole plan of salvation, uh, the whole everlasting gospel, and they looked at it, and I don't know how many pages it was, and I said, <clears throat> I need to break it up. So um, I, that's why I'm breaking it up, so that it's something that you can really use. Yes? So don't use the notes that we took, just use what you've written. No, 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 no. The notes that you took today, okay. that's part of that study, okay. and that will be entered into that if you write to me, it'll be entered into it within this week. <laughs> okay, I just wanted to make sure. Yeah, no, the studies, the, the, the notes that I gave you today. Okay. So, anyway, so um, here we are now talking about the great controversy. So this is the second study, and I want to pray again. Father, again, Lord, I know that this is not something that the evil one wants us to really understand. So please keep us awake, keep us aware, keep us focused, and help us, dear Father, to see this great controversy that we are in and be victorious over it 
just as you were victorious over it. Lord, this is our prayer, and we thank you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Okay, the great controversy, background information. Note, source, science places the universe billions of years old, plus, plus. Is that true? Yes. Yes, that's what, that's what science, that's what science says, right? That's what they, they say. Might this be approximating a God who has no beginning? Oh, had you thought of that? Yes? Okay, well, let's not get ahead, okay? Because let's, let's, if you come all the way through, right? If it's not answered by the end, then nail me, okay? Okay, so, um, so this, uh, I'll get to that. Uh, science says that, that this, this universe, this universe, right? I'm talking about the universe. Right? I'm talking about the universe is billions of years old, plus plus. Might this be approximating a God who has no beginning, who has no beginning or ending? Revelation 1 7. Also note, biblically, our solar system is relatively recent and our Earth 6,000 years old. Is that correct? Okay. This would mean that we are truly a very recent, what? New kid on the block. Many try to date Earth as if all things were the same. But for this Earth, all things have not been the same. The biggest catastrophic development was the flood. Before the flood, all irrigation was subterranean. That is, that there was no rain but mist, dew, water, everything. Part of Alberta is, was like that when we went up there to camp meeting. Yes? Because I was up there. I don't, I don't know about Alberta, but I was up there for camp meeting, and there was no irrigation anywhere in Alberta. Every really, yes, I, I was in Alberta. We went to camp meeting up there, and uh, there was absolutely no irrigation in. Miles and miles and miles and miles and miles of farmland. Beautiful uh, canola, canola. And uh, I, it was gorgeous. And I, I said, you know, I don't, I'm not seeing any irrigation. No, we don't irrigate. Everything is, comes from under the ground. The, the water level is high enough that all this area is, is watered by, by subterranean so, so the table is higher than there are still in the world. It, it was, and I don't know if it still is, you know, so because... It's different than British Columbia. Yes. 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 Anyway, okay. <laughs> on, on, on we go, all right? Um, during the flood, elements broke up and there were earthquakes, volcanoes, floods, so that the whole earth was covered and there were no places for animals to survive except what was in the Ark of Noah. So severe was the event as to throw the world off its axis, thus giving us the severe weather patterns that we now have. This may be difficult to understand, except... Except what? Except we have quite recent catastrophic activities that give us great windows into the past. 
The most recent that I well remember was the blowing of Mount St. Helens in Washington State. That should be state. The volcano and subsequent magna flows fossilized trees and animals and humans almost instantly. What would have taken millions of years took only seconds, minutes to develop. That is why the Scripps Institute in San Diego now entertains the idea that there was a catastrophic worldwide event that took place approximately 10,000 years. Now, I'm saying they say 10,000 years. That is such a far cry from the millions of years that they were putting on this before. So when, when, it, when they come up and they, they say 10,000 years, they're being, they're being, um, they're saying, it had to have been 10,000 years or less because these things took place. There were volcanoes under, underneath the ground. So, so they're saying now that this is something that they admit is not millions of years out. That is incredibly interesting to me. So... Um, uh, I don't know if they're actually advertising that. I just know that I went through the the uh, in the uh, museum, and the lady that was that was uh, giving the guidance, she said, uh, "We know that there was a, a catastrophic worldwide experience approximately ten thousand years ago." And I said, uh, "Can you repeat that?" She said, "Yes, uh, uh, there there was a worldwide catastrophic experience happening to the world." approximately 10,000 years ago. Like, oh, thank you. That's, a, that's what I thought you said. <laughs> but I wanted to make sure. <laughs> huh? At Scripps. San Diego in Scripps, the, the uh, Museum on Oceanography. And so, um, which is a far cry from the uh, millions of years that previously suggested. Two other recent events also shook the world a little further off its axis. That being the earthquake in what? Haiti. Haiti and the earthquake in Japan and the subsequent tsunami. Um, there may be others, but those two I am sure of. Uh, we know that uh, the, the earthquake in Haiti uh, really shook the world up, really, uh, really shook the axis, and we also know the one in, in uh, Japan. I could give you so much more than this, okay? Um, there are other inhabited worlds, Job 6, 1, 6 through 7, apparently not of the image that reflects the image of God, Genesis 1, 27. Angels cannot procreate, don't marry. So we know that there, there are other worlds that are, that are uh, inhabited by Job's writings, not by Ellen White's, by Job's writings. It's important for you to know that. And so Job is, is telling about an experience where, where the devil comes from this earth up to, up to heaven and is, is bickering with God over Job. And so, so but, we, but we, know, we know that the angels don't procreate, so we are probably assuming, because it seems like in Genesis that this was kind of a new creation to, for God, right? He says, I'm going to we're going to create man in our image. Let us make man in our image. So, um, so man seems to be a different <coughs> specimen, so to speak, 
right? And so uh, it's, it's very interesting. The being of God's great universe, including the creation, this is important, including the creation of the angels, Psalms 8, 3 through 9, to the last event before creation of, of our earth, appears to be a very long period of time. So from the, from the beginning of, of uh, from the beginning of, uh, what did they say? Okay. Uh, beginning of the universe and the, and the angels, the creation of the angels. And the angels were what? They were created. Okay? Um, it seems to be a very long period of time. The inhabited planets, which might have happened over many millenniums, God does not give that information to us, certainly were in place before the creation of this earth. So all those billions of places out there were out there long before God came and made this solar system. Are you following me? So we have seen when, how man fell but where did the dragon serpent that met Eve at the tree of knowledge of good and evil come from? Before we go into this, I wanted to just take a moment to talk about God. The perfect universe and the beginning of sin. The greatest characteristic of the kingdom of God and his method of operation is what? Harmony, compassionate and free will, love, loyalty, and justice. All other characteristics can be summed up under these headings. Harmony, and then it gives the text that go along with that. And then on the next page it says, God is what? Omniscient, which means what? All-knowing. He is omnipotent, all-powerful, and omnipresent, able to be everywhere at once. Okay, and there's texts that go along with that. I'm, I'm going fast because I want to get through this one because I want to spend more time on the one tomorrow. Okay, So, um, the angels served a wonderful God in this framework. Are you noting this? The angels served a wonderful God in this framework for many, what? Millenniums. We have no idea how long this was. We just know that the, that, that the universe is up to millions of years old, right? So we don't know when the angels were created. But they served a wonderful God in this framework. For how long? For many millenniums. But there was one. After many, many years, many, many millenniums, there was one that chose a different path. That was who? Lucifer, the Kevin cherub. Why? Two passages of the scripture deal with what was taking place. What will be in the future will be discussed in the next study. Let's read in Ezekiel 28, parts, uh, part of 12 and 8 through 18, Isaiah 14, 13 to 14. Ezekiel 28 says what? It's the fall of, yeah, let's, let's read it. I may read all of it just so that, uh, and you're, you wouldn't read all of it. You're just going to read the part that's, that has to do with, um, with uh, 
what 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 was happening. Okay, and it's going to start. We're going to start in fourteen, uh, so I don't need to come back to it. Okay, um, in fourteen, thou art the anointed cherub. Who was this? Lucifer was the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set him this way. In other words, I've, I've made him the covering cherub. That's the position I put him in. So God the Father is saying, and Jesus are saying, I, I made him in, in the, to have this position. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down the midst of the stones of fire. Who are the stones of fire? Who are the stones of fire? The angels. Okay? You'll... <laughs> Thou was perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created. You were what? Perfect in the days that thou wast created, till iniquity was found in thee. So, for all these millennials, he's been perfect, right? He's been perfect. And then suddenly, something seems to be festering inside of him. Iniquity was found in thee. By the multitudes of thy merchandise, they have filled the midst of thee with violence. And some of this I would not read the first time, all right? That's going to be the next time. Um, in the multitude of merchandise, um, thine heart was lifted, verse 17, thine heart was what? Lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. I will cast thee out, and then the bottom of it, it will be later. Thou hast defiled the sea. So that's, that's basically what we're, we're talking about in this study, right? That, that Lucifer was perfect. He was made perfect. He was, he was, he was in, in the presence of God. He was the covering cherub. And he was there, and, he, and he, God made him that way. And God made him that way because it was his choice, God's choice, right? But his heart was lifted up because of what? Because of his beauty. His beauty, selfishness. Okay? Isaiah, what does that say? And I like the way that God does this. He, he helps us remember these things because, you know, Isaiah is just half of Ezekiel. Right? So, what does it say in Isaiah? How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer? Right? In verse 12. Son of the morning, how art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, what again? I will ascend unto the heavens. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend up above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Hmm? Got a case of the eyes. He does have a case of the eyes, which means then that he's looking now to himself rather than what? God. To God. And so... Um, so here we, we have uh, what's happening to Lucifer. And uh, notice where Lucifer ends up. Well, we're going to do Revelation 12, 4 and one and 120. 
Revelation 12, 4. Okay, what does it say? And it showed him the first part of the stars of heaven, which passed into the earth. Okay, that's one. That's four. One. That's one twenty, and Revelation twelve four. That was that was twelve four. That was twelve four. Oh, that was twelve four. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. Revelation twelve seven to nine. My apologies. I can't even read my own writing here. Okay. So so what happened? No, you didn't read it far enough, did you? No, you only said that four verses. Okay, keep going. They prevailed not, neither was their place found in the morning house. And the great dragon was cast out, and that old serpent called the devil. And Satan was conceived the whole world, and was cast out into the earth, and the demons were cast out of the Okay, so where was he sent? When, the, when this war in heaven breaks loose, where is Lucifer sent? Earth. To what? Our earth. To the earth. Now, isn't that kind of strange? If you change, go over the over, you will find um, under Lucifer's certain serpent, um, number ten, prince of the power of the air. Where is he? Sent to the earth. But is he on the earth yet? It hasn't been created. So he's sent down to the earth to be created, and he is the pow- he is the god of the power of the air. You see it in verse ten, uh, number ten there. Interesting, isn't it? So he's sent to the earth. Now, why here? The earth became his after Eve sinned, but it wasn't his. When it was created, no, he was he was flying around up there, and he was flying around up there. But why here? So did he claim it? He was part of the air when God began to make the earth. Did he claim the earth as his own? He knew that there was something was going to happen on this earth. He knew that that, so that that's the plan he wanted to be part of. He that's the plan he wanted to be part of. But we don't know that from the scripture, do we? So, <laughs> so, okay. Um, he he certainly certainly gave that indication that he wanted to be like the Most High. He wanted to do this and do that and do the other thing, didn't he? He he was setting himself up, without a doubt. But we don't know that for sure in terms of the scriptures alone, right? And so, but why here? I think it's important that no place else in the universe was their sin. And yet God needed to give our parents, remember? He made, he made them a tree of knowledge of good and evil. He had to give them a chance, right? To finish it up, right? So he was sent here. Because God was trying to put a, a surround sin with a, he wanted to contain it. That's the word I'm trying to use. He wanted to contain it. So he sent it down here because he's going to give them 
the tree of knowledge of good and evil to choose. Right? Incredible God. Incredible God. Jesus later tells the disciples about this war, and he says, I saw Satan fall. Luke 10, 18. You know what? I can't finish this today. I'm going to ask for extra time next time because I need to finish this and go on. So we'll finish this, bring it back with you, all right, tomorrow. And we'll finish this tomorrow. And then the last one is, the last one could take me forever. But uh, anyway, you've got it. And um, I pray that you will be here tomorrow and we can finish it. But I, I just think that it's important that you realize that God recognized that this earth, he had to give our parents a choice. And so what he did is he was planning this he knew that there's no other place in the universe where there's sin because Lucifer was just kicked out of heaven, right? True? And was there any, was there any shred of sin left in heaven when he left? Why did God have a war? He it's important that, that we have a choice, right? That's the Civil War was the same thing, right? It separated who was, who was not. Wars do that. We're in a battle now. Let's make the right choice so that we can be on the right side. That's my prayer as we go forward. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we recognize that you've planned this out, not that you planned sin, but you planned your great everlasting gospel out. You knew that you were going to come. And Lord, we just pray that we will be part of your plan, not the devil's. And Lord, give us the grace, give us the the understanding. Give us everything that we need to make the right choices at the right time to be on the right side with you is our prayer. In Jesus' precious name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.